At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hard-working hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. Kenzie Wilber, and this is Food 52's Burn Toast. Meet the Roto Royal 400. The eBay listing said that it worked, but like, wouldn't it be hilarious if we like wanted to turn it on and it just didn't go? I wonder what these buttons are for. Okay, I just turned it on. Do you think it takes a while to fire up? Oh no. What? I mean, do you think like it doesn't work? Okay, the timer works. It's good. Oh my god, there it goes! There it goes, there it goes! Look at it, look at it. Oh my gosh, look at the coil. Yeah, but is it spinning? No. But I think I think I I think that this is maybe the rotation. Oh. Whoa! <laughs> yeah! Oh, it's stuck in a potato. Uh-oh. Turn it off. Okay, so that tractor noise you just heard, that's the rotobroil. The man's voice you hear is my boyfriend, Josh, and you might hear a dog's collar jingling every now and then. That's Geo. We were dog-sitting that weekend. The reason we're so worried it might not turn on is because the Rotobroil 400 is over 60 years old. It's this oversized chrome toaster oven-looking thing. It's hulking, but oddly cartoonishly sleek. It looks like something Jane Jetson might use to cook bacon for Elroy's breakfast. The reason it's even in my kitchen in the first place is because people today, in the year 2017, swear by this machine for its ability to make the best chicken. I first heard about this in a conversation at a party. A little internet research later, and I'd turned up a few forums worth of disciples, including food writers with some real pull, like Jeffrey Steingarten of Vogue and Ed Levine of Serious Eats. I was skeptical, mostly because I already know how to roast a chicken and the oven works just fine, but also because this thing was manufactured in the 1950s. In its day, it was being marketed alongside those vibrating slimming belts for weight loss and something called the Kenmore Indoor Garbage Burner, the ad copy for which promises you can just light it and walk out of the room. And yet, it was a little like the rotobroils of the world in that moment were daring me to see if they weren't better than my modern oven. They were honestly kind of taunting me. So I bought one. It's a rotobroil. <laughs> I guess that's it. The magic's happening. The alleged magic of the rotobroil is manifold. 
It's self-contained, it gets super hot, which makes for crispy skin, and because it turns as a rotisserie does, it self-bastes. People say that this is what makes the bird juicier than one that just sits there as it cooks. Jeffrey Steingarten writes that through experimenting with rotisserie cooking and the rotobroil, he became convinced of the superiority of spinning an entire animal over, under, or alongside a good strong source of heat. And just like gospel, the good word spread. So it was about seven years ago. That's Chris Knudsen. He's a guy I ran into at that party. He's also a proud owner of a rotobroil. No, I actually, when you say one, I actually have three of them. And he's now the executive editor of the Wall Street Journal. At the time, I was editing Jeffrey Steingarten, who is the food critic for Vogue magazine. And we were working on an article, and he said that he wanted to give a list of his 10 favorite food gadgets. And on that list, most of the stuff I recognized. But there was this one thing that I'd never heard of, the Rotobroil 400. And when I asked Jeffrey about it, he said, this makes the best rotisserie chicken that I know. This is the best way to do it at home. And you can get them on eBay for as little as $50. So that very day, I just bought one on eBay and it arrived within a week. And and, and in no time, I was making chicken at home with it. I I, kind of feel like I can't mess it up. Um, It's just very, very simple. And I've, I've never made a bad chicken in the rotobroil. So So that's a big claim, but surprisingly, it wasn't one of the ones that was being made in advertisements when the Rotobroil 400 hit the market in the 1950s. Campaigns for early machines focused instead on how easy it was to use its slide-o-matic door, how it can roast, broil, toast, grill, fry, boil, and bake. And if you, like me, think that this feat is just too good to be true, they go on to prove it. One illustration shows a machine producing a chicken, a barbecue's worth of hot dogs and burgers, and an entire frosted cake all at one time. Easy. And don't forget about the powerful built-in motor. Ads also promise you'd be healthier for cooking with a rotobroil, because the machine wicked away fat as your food cooks. This was a side benefit of the rotisserie in general, which took off in that era thanks to TV demos. It was the 50s, and it was a glorious time to sell a brand new, self-contained kitchen appliance. What's so special about it? Set a finger's touch, plus the baking convenience of an extra oven. And in an hour, the complete meal will be ready. Cooked all by itself to perfection. Such a wonderful extra cooking appliance at such modest cost. Yes, Never before has good cooking been so good looking. It was also a time when the American diet and kitchen were focused on convenience and protein, two beautiful tenants that resulted in products like canned pre-fried bacon and, of course, the rotobroil, which promised to be fast, easy, and cook a London broil in 17 minutes flat. The ads worked. More on that right after the break. And I wanted to quickly tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Gastropod, and it's an award-winning show that looks at food through the lens of science and history. Listen to stories like the science behind how bubbles get into seltzer, or about how citrus is actually connected to the mafia. Cynthia Graber and Nikki Twilly host, and you can find it in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Go subscribe now so you can listen on your next commute. 
My name is Barry Lazar. I've been writing about food in one way or another probably for about 20 or 30 years. I was introduced to the rotoboiler because I was introduced to my wife. Just a quick note. You'll hear Barry say rotobroiler quite a bit. The official name is actually Rotobroil, but we like his nickname. And her parents, uh, who had come from Poland in 1958, bought a rotobroiler soon after they came over as one of these complete kitchen gadgets where they could do all sorts of cooking. And they used it regularly, I would guess at least once a week, to make a, uh, a chicken and maybe for some other stuff. When I married my wife and we were looking for some way to cook stuff, and my wife said, why don't we try this uh, contraption that my mother used to have? And that's how I got introduced to it. And I hear that she wasn't much of a fan of devices either. Is that right? No, no. She... Uh, <laughs> She she basically felt that she had all she needed when she had a knife in a pot. She didn't need a whole lot of stuff. A toaster, that would have been it, and the rotor broiler. That's about all that I can remember, plus a stove uh, that was in her kitchen. Well, what do you think it was about the rotor broil then? If she was perfect, she felt perfectly sufficient with a knife uh, and her cutting board. What what made her change her mind? My hunch is that it just makes sense. You put your chicken on, you put your skewer on, and you let it turn. If you want to cook some potatoes underneath it, it's really easy to do. And it just, it's intuitive. And I think that's what, what did it. Coming over from Eastern Europe in the mid-50s, this was a way that she could show that she was somehow, um, uh, I guess, with it and in tune with what was going on without having to go too far. So it was a way of being modern. This was part of a whole, almost the, uh, the, the, the new scientist approach to food that engineers and scientists and doctors uh, could tell you how to make your life better and how to make your life easier. This was like one of the myths that if you bought uh, one of these contraptions, and it started with the, you know, the electric refrigerator to replace the icebox, that somehow your life would be easier. And I think people overall bought into this. The nice thing with the rotoboiler is you actually did have more free time. But for all the noise about it being easy to use and a modern gift to our 1950s kitchens, there is a bit you have to learn. It's, it's not a forgiving uh, machine. It, it demands that we learn how it works. And so I've actually learned how to tie up chickens much better. I realize that you, there's a, a little bit of skill involved with this. It's not simply saying uh, uh, you can just put it on me and go away. Because you're right, it'll start to flap, and then the drumstick will start to drag on the bottom. And all of a sudden you're saying, how come it's stalled, and what's wrong with the machine? And the machine is not wrong. It's us. We've had to learn how to use it. Yeah, it's not it. It's us. <laughs> Notice he says there's a little skill involved. I can only offer my own experience. How to dress a chicken. Please, YouTube, come through. Could I take this, see this, like, torture device looking thing? <laughs> Could I take this off, I think? Because it won't fit in there, will it? Do you think I have to wash I it? I think, yeah, you should probably wash it. Yeah, okay. Um, and then, where are those, oh, is this the tray? No, there's one more tray that came with it. Okay, so the weirdest thing about this to me is the door. I don't know. And I have to say, plugging it in is its own miniature version of a suspense thriller.
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's one of the things that's a little surprising when you first use it. That's Chris again. I find that it heaps up my entire apartment, actually, yes. when I make a chicken in there. Yes. Uh, because it's a very, very um, intense heat that comes off the top. I think that's one of the things that makes it very, you know, it, it makes the skin really crispy. And it's, you know, it's it's why it's so effective. But it's it gets really hot on top. Yeah, I was a little, <laughs> I was a little scared of it. Um, it's also extremely loud. Is, is yours loud, too? Yes. It does. The, the motor makes a bit of noise. Uh, <laughs> I find that I, you know, turn up the music, open a bottle of wine, and I just sort of <laughs> roll with it. But it's, uh, it's, it's definitely sort of takes over the, the kitchen while you're cooking. But, it, you know, I find that I can cook, a, you know, a four-pound chicken in an hour and 15 minutes, so it, it doesn't take that long. For Barry, and I wholeheartedly agree with this, the rotobroil taking over the kitchen is part of the point. What I love is it's um, if I'm inviting people over and I have it on a sort of a stand, you can bring it up to almost um, eye level and just have it turning there. And people really enjoy this. And quite often we've sat around with a beer or a glass of wine and just watch the chicken cook as you, as you might sit in front of a fire. Um, and it's entertainment. I, I know this sounds so weird to watch something cook as being entertainment, but you get two or three people and they all think it's pretty cool. Yeah. No, Barry, you're speaking my language. I do not think it's weird. I think it's wonderful. <laughs> and actually, minus a few guests, that's pretty much what we were doing that night we cooked with ours. Oh, timer's done. Timer's done, but it doesn't beep. <laughs> I'll check really quick. <laughs> Beeping was years away. <laughs> that was on the Roto Broil 800. Oh, but it stops. Yeah, the timer. I mean, I hope I'm not overcooking it, but if this thing cooks faster than a modern oven, I don't know. Bring back the Roto Broil? Yeah, totally. It doesn't cook faster than a modern oven, but it took about the same time. Which for something that's essentially a toaster oven that spins a large piece of meat around and around <laughs> seems pretty fast. And it was charming. We pulled up a chair, too, and watched the spit turn as the chicken cooked and crackled in the Roto Braille 400. It felt a little like driving around in an old classic car. Not necessarily faster or more streamlined than your average model made in 2017, but kind of cooler. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think I might be a convert. I did not believe that something that was made in the 1950s would be inherently better than the roasting methods that we know and live by today. But why, like, <clears throat> why, if it's, why if it's better, did it, does it not, is it not that big of a thing? I have no idea. I'm going to have to figure that out. Consider this my official call to make it more of a thing. I dig it. My Rotobroil 400 is still sitting on my counter where it's going to stay. And in the meantime, I'm planning my next spinning chicken watching party. It's going to be a great time. You can buy your own Rotobroil on eBay, but I would sprint. The ones we saw were considerably more expensive than what Chris got for 50 bucks. Or maybe you can ask him for one of his three. This episode of Burnt Toast was produced by Gabrielle Lewis and me, Kenzie Wilbur. Thanks also to Amanda Hesser and Meryl Stubbs, the founders of Food 52, and to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Our ad and theme music is by the talented, handsome Joshua Rule Dobson. And yes, it's the same Josh you heard in this episode. Our new logo is designed by Abby Lossing. 
please let us know what you think of the show by leaving us a review on iTunes. It really helps. And if you'd like, get in touch. You can email us at burnttoast at food52.com. We'll talk to you all next time. Thanks so much for listening.